Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So today we're going to continue our series. It's called Stuff Jesus Never Said. Yes, it's an interesting title, but it's a, it's a way to think of it like this. If the stuff that Jesus didn't say is the stuff that you think Jesus did say, then maybe the stuff he really did say will surprise you. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity, an opportunity to repent. The word repent or repentance means to change our minds. I pray today that we would walk out of this place seeing things differently than we did when we first walked in. That true repentance would go on. We would see you differently. We would see ourselves differently. Maybe if we've had some bad ideas or bad doctrine or theology, help us, Holy Spirit, to see things correctly, to see you as you really are. No distortion, but a clear picture. Bring us clarity today. Holy Spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. How many have ever been to a restaurant called Don Pablo's? amazing American Mexican food, right? It's, I don't know how authentic it is, but Don Pablo's. Now, we used to have one in Miller Road. It's been closed for many, many years. Um, are there any left? Are there any open still anywhere? The reason I went, I mean, some two decades ago, it was like new. But what was cool about this place, I remember walking in the first time, and I looked back, and behind like one of the counters, someone was actually making tortillas, have you seen this? They were, they were making like fresh tortillas. I'm like, this is like five star right here, Mexican food. They're making their own tortillas. And I used to love those tortillas and we went there often. It kind of went downhill on Miller Road and I can kind of see why they closed down, bless their hearts. But, you know, nonetheless, we, we love to go there. I love those tortillas. Well, several years ago, my wife and I, we had stopped there for a business meeting. And so we park and we go in and, and we're having a meeting. We're enjoying our tortillas. They were really, really good. They were fresh, hot, piping hot. Oh man, I love those tortillas. Well, we wrap up uh, with this gentleman and we walk out of the restaurant and we go to our car. Well, when we first get into our car, we get in and I'm getting ready to start it. And my wife looks down and she goes, wait a minute. She goes, I, I had a bag sitting here on the floor. And I was like, what? She goes, I had a bag sitting on, on the floorboard right here. I'm like, no way. She goes, oh my gosh, I think, wait a minute. So she opened the console. She goes, my phone's gone. Where's my phone? I'm like, this is crazy. What happened? There was no sign of forced entry. I couldn't figure it out. So I thought, well, let me call the phone. So I got my cell phone out. I called her phone. It rings. It rings again. It rings the third time. And somebody picks up. I'm like, hello? And they're like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, up. what's up is you got my wife's cell phone. He's like, well, what do, you, what, what do you mean? I'm like, what do I mean? You're talking on her. I can't believe you even answered the phone right now. I'm like, you have the cell phone? He's like, yeah, what of it? I said, okay, you have my cell phone that was in my car. And this is what he said. You left your door unlocked. You left your door unlocked. I went, wait, okay, wait a second. I left my door unlocked, so you thought you could get it? Well, you left your door unlocked. It's your fault you left your door unlocked. I was like, no way. So obviously I didn't hit the key fob and, and lock it. But the very idea, it was, it, just, it was mind-boggling that someone would say, it's your fault that I stole your stuff because you left the door unlocked. And then he says this, 
Yeah, you left the door unlocked. It's your fault. I said, are you kidding me? And he goes, yeah, in that bag, it didn't have anything in it. It was like a bunch of makeup and stuff. I'm like, I'm sorry I didn't fill it full of money for you before you took it. There, there was? Oh, there was a lot of money in makeup. Ladies, okay. So I said, well, I need my stuff back. He's like, well, you're not going to get your stuff back, uh, but you left your door unlocked. It's your fault. Couldn't even believe it. And you know, at that time, I wasn't a pastor, so I probably said a few choice words, maybe. I don't know. Um, he said a few choice to me, and I thought I should say a few choice back. But you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. As we're talking, it was like the Holy Spirit who never leaves me, thank God, never forsakes me, thank God. He just like quickened me at that moment. And I changed my countenance. I changed the way that I was talking. And I just said, hey, listen, man, apparently you needed it more than we did. So I bless you in Jesus' name. Click. (laughs) It was like the fear of God got him or something. I said, yeah, get him, Lord. No, I didn't do that. But it just, it, it boggled my mind that, that somebody would, would blame me for, for stealing my stuff because I left the door unlocked. Isn't that crazy? Has anyone ever had someone take something from you? I have a few times in my life, and isn't it just a horrible feeling when you realize that someone's been in your vehicle or in your house, they've been rummaging through your stuff, and they have your stuff? It's a horrible feeling, isn't it? You know, I, I talk about this today because, you know, just like the thief who blamed me for stealing the stuff, sometimes I think what we do is we can turn things around onto God and we can blame him for stuff that he didn't even do. You know, we've been looking through different memes. I want to look at a meme here today. Uh, here's Jesus and he's standing here and he's, it looks like he has his hand on a a child here, and it looks like it might be a sick child. And he says in the most religious voice, I get this from Gary, God gives and God takes away. God gives and God takes away. Let me say something before we get started today. The truth is this, God gives and gives. And if I had a subtitle, it would be, and gives and gives and gives and gives, etc. Now let me say this also. Some of you here, as we're going through this, when I say certain things, you're going to go, I'll give you an example. Uh, We have a pastor's group that meets and we have coffee once a month. It's awesome. Local pastors, we get together. I love it. My, My close friend from the road church, Pastor Chris Vitarelli, He's really a connector. He's got a gift for it. So he's connected some pastors. Now we have non-denominational, we have Baptist, we have Lutheran, we have Presbyterian. Can you imagine the conversations we have? They're awesome conversations. We all believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe in unity of faith. We talk through pastor issues because I realized it doesn't matter what the denomination is. We all go through the same stuff. It's amazing. But every so often, every so often, somebody says something and like you go, what did he just say? It's probably them when I'm talking, but (laughs) what did he say? And so what happens is we get this automatic, almost defensive mode. And I'm here to say that's okay. I'm here to say it's okay. You know, it's okay to ask questions. We should ask questions. Jesus said, what? You have not because you 
Ask not. I think more Christians, even when Pastor Andy's preaching, should go home, study the word, and say, is that really true? Is he seeing that correctly? Challenge it. Ask questions. It's good. It'll make you dive into the word. You know, when we have these conversations as pastors, it makes me dive in deeper and go, wow, why do they believe that? Am I believing right? Is my doctrine correct? It usually is. But is my doctrine correct? But I'm open to change and, and to see things differently. And sometimes we, we talked about it last week. Sometimes we're so used to things being a certain way or doing it a certain way. We just think that's how it's done. And so we never ask questions. You might be here today and some of these subjects, I don't want you to get offended. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm going to give you really my opinion of what I see in the word. I'm going to give you scriptures. I'm going to show you what Jesus said. And at the end of the service, we can agree to disagree. And I still love you and I hope you still love me. So this isn't arrogance. I'm trying to give us some clarity on who God really is and how he really acts and what his character is really like because it will transform your life if you see him correctly. Does that make sense? So Jesus here in this meme is saying God gives and takes away. The truth is God is a giver and not a taker. Now just bear with me. Just bear with me through this process and see where we go. I want to look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. In verse 21, this is where we get this idea. Here's Job, first chapter of Job, and he says this, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. And then he says this, may the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now, my opinion, if there was ever a scripture that has led to some screwy notions about God's character, this is the one. Anyone who has suffered loss has probably heard this verse. It's often quoted at funerals, not by me. I don't quote this verse at funerals. We even sing songs about it. For some reason, this is crazy to me, for some reason, people seem to find comfort in believing that God is responsible for their loss. I think sometimes we can't answer maybe a question of why. Why did this happen? And so we just go, well, just God God can do anything, so let's just blame God. And I don't think it's a, a mean spirit of like, we're going to blame God. It's like, well, it must be God because it happened. But I'm here to tell you something. Uh, men have made a lot of bad decisions. Adam and Eve made a bad decision for themselves, a selfish decision, and they fell. Since then, the power of sin has been in the planet. How many can attest to that? So we deal with things that happen to us, but sometimes I think we, we attribute those things to God when we shouldn't. And although I love Job's attitude, I mean, what he's saying is that whatever happens in life, he's going to praise the name of the Lord. I think that's a good attitude to have. Now, did you realize I didn't say praise, praise him for the bad stuff he did to you or praise him for the bad stuff? No, we praise him despite the circumstances despite what's going on in our life, because he's the one and the only one sometimes who can help us work through, get through, and get to the other side. So thank God he never leaves us or forsakes us, amen? So although, you know, I love his attitude here, Job still said some dumb things about God. And, and maybe, I don't know if anyone would even be interested, the book of Job is beautiful. 
if you, if you understand it in context and what's really happening. I mean, it's right there. It's like in black and white. If you read it start to finish and have understanding, it's a beautiful story of how amazing God is. And by the end, he completely restores double everything. So maybe sometime we'll do a series on Job. Would you enjoy that? How many have ever wondered, what is Job all about? You're talking about God loves, but then you look at Job and the stuff that God did to Job and you wonder, right? So maybe we'll do a series about that. But nonetheless, he said some dumb things about God. But here's the thing. Later on in the story, in, in chapter 42, the final chapter, Job says this. Now remember, he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, right? But then he says this. I spoke of things I did not understand. Job himself, by the end, goes, I spoke of things I did not understand. Do you see that? But the question still stands. Does God really give and then take away? Think about it for a minute. Does God really give and then take away? Now, I know some of you here are saying, but pastor, it's in the Bible. It's in black and white. He said it. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've probably heard this before. But in the Bible, I believe that the Bible is, is completely accurate. I believe that it's truth. It was written by about 40 authors over 1,500 years. And the fact that it lines up the way it does amazes me. It's been translated into hundreds, if not thousands, of languages for everybody to hear. And I understand people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Sometimes the translations may. But we don't have the, the privilege of going back to the original letters of the apostles, the original Torah, the original manuscripts. And so we trust men who have translated. And I still would say this. It is so accurate after all those years. It just baffles my mind. I believe God was truly involved. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul said, all scripture is inspired by God or God breathed and profitable for what? Teaching, reproof, correction, and I love this, training and righteousness. So we believe the Bible. We don't take sections out. So instead of taking sections out, let's read them in context and try to figure out what is it trying to say to me. Another thing we do, unfortunately, is we take ourselves as believers here in 2017, can you believe it, almost 2020, in 2017, and we place ourselves into every parable of Jesus, we place ourselves into every Bible story, we place ourselves into every church and history that Paul or John wrote to, and how many know you can't do that? That's how we get screwed up doctrine. Well, well, it says that we should do this, this, and that when we do this, this, and that. He was talking to the Corinthians. Are you a Corinthian? Are you a Greek? Well, what are you saying? It doesn't matter. Absolutely, we learn from it. What was Paul trying to get across to the Corinthians? How can we be better uh, in our righteousness and the way we walk through what Paul has been saying? Does this make sense? This is how we rightly divide the word of truth. It's so important. So I'm not here to say we're throwing sections of the Bible out. I'm here to say even Job changed his mind by the end of the book and realized he said some things he should have never said. But here's the thing. What Job said was truly stated. Job really said that. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But how many know just because it was truly stated doesn't make it truth? A lot of people all through history in the Bible said a lot of things doesn't make it truth. You follow me? So we have to decipher what's truly stated and what is really truth. Here's the thing. Any picture we have of God needs to be informed 
by Jesus Christ. It has to be seen through that lens of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 1.3. He said, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Now listen to this. The exact representation of his being. Do you know that Jesus was the exact representation of who God is? Because he was God. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? How did he act towards people? How did he treat others? What did he say about the Father? Think about this for a minute. If he's the exact representation of God, then maybe to see God, we need to see it through Jesus. To get a good understanding of God's character, we need to look to Jesus, not Job. We have Jesus and Job, JJ, the J and J. Who are you going to listen to? Jesus or Job? Do you follow me here? Can you imagine Jesus stealing? I'm so glad that when I called that cell phone, it didn't pick up. Yeah, this is Jesus. What? You stole my cell phone? Yeah, you left your door unlocked. What? You let the enemy in. You're my enemy? What's going on here? Can you imagine Jesus killing somebody? Now, the apostles wanted to kill some people. It's funny. Um, was it James and John, the brothers, that they're walking along and someone didn't do something quite right and they didn't receive Jesus and they said, should we call fire down upon them? And Jesus says, heck yeah, let's do it. No, he says, you know now what spirit you speak of. He was talking to the spirit of the old covenant, the old way, the way of the prophets. Jesus was trying to introduce them to a new way of love, a new way to live and to live the way of love. It's amazing, isn't it? So how is it that some people think that God was responsible for Job's loss? I, I think it's easy to if we, if we encapsulate a single scripture. Because it sounds good, right? It's like the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it sounds so religious and so good. It just smacks just so fragrant off the lips. But it's religiosity. It's misunderstanding. It's not knowing who God really is. So let me put it like this. If you want the very best insight into God's character, are you better off looking at A, Jesus, who said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, or B, Job, who had only heard of God but did not actually know him. In fact, Job said this in Job 42.5. He says, I had only heard about you before, but now, say, but now, I have seen you with my own eyes. See, by chapter 42, he saw things completely different. And we get hung up on chapter 1, and we stop there, and we're like, I'm going to thank God for everything. In fact, he's probably the one doing it to me because God is so big and so powerful and so amazing. Let me tell you something. God is so big and so powerful and so amazing, and he does do whatever he wants. And can I tell you what he wanted and what he did? He cut a covenant called the New Covenant, and he swore an oath to himself. And he made promises and he put himself under his word and he says, I will never curse you. I will never hold your sin against you. I am your healer. I'm your provider. I'm your Abba. I'm your father. I love you. I want the best for you. 
That's what God wanted to do. And he cut covenant so he couldn't change his mind. But he wanted to do that so he cut covenant. Why are you getting so emotional? Because God is so good. Can we not see how good our father is? Are we getting wrapped up in the Old Testament ideas that somebody who had misunderstanding and didn't even have wisdom said something and we sing songs about it like it's truth? I went to a Christian school. Can't you tell? (laughs) Good thing there wasn't Facebook in my teenage years. I remember prayers. Remember prayer requests. Like this, yeah, so-and-so in our church, they got in an accident, and they had a baby. It was only six months old, and it died. And I'm thinking, wow, we need to pray for that family. And they say things like, let's pray that, that, they, that God shows them and teaches them why he did this to their child. That's not God. He doesn't kill people to teach them a lesson. Stuff happens. If a drunk driver runs a red light, hits somebody and kills them, it's not God, it's the drunk driver. You hear me? Let's stop blaming God. So who do we trust? All our questions regarding the true nature of God are answered in Jesus. All our questions regarding the true nature of God are answered in Jesus. The Apostle John wrote this in John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, who is he describing? Jesus has made him known. The Apostle John got it. Here's Jesus. He's at God's side, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's making the Father known to us. Now, for for Jewish people, it was like they couldn't wrap their head around that God as a Father. God's just saying, will you trust me? Will you believe me for every facet of your life? You know, I found there's some areas I still don't know if I trust him all the way. And he's okay with that. That's what's beautiful about the new covenant. He's like, listen, we're going to grow in this together. I'm going to just keep loving you and loving you and saturating you love. And the Bible says to be rooted and grounded in his love. And eventually you're going to trust me in that area. And then you're going to trust me in this area. And it's just going to be awesome. And I'm not in a hurry because I'm your daddy and I love you. You know, God is a father to us. It's not a hurry to get to the finish line. It's a relationship that he delights in. He loves us. He loves spending time with us. He loves being with us. He loves nurturing us. He loves helping us grow because all the growth comes from him. You follow me? It's a matter of trust. Jesus came to make the Father known. He said this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Pastor and author John Sheesby says this about God. Jesus' entire life was one long streaming video that displayed the goodness of the Father. Think about what Jesus did. He just completely displayed this, this long streaming video of God's goodness, of the goodness of the Father. It's absolutely amazing. Let me give you some clarity. Let's turn to John 10.10. John 10.10. You might be familiar with this scripture, but I want us to get some clarity today of who the thief is. 
It says this, the thief does not come except, the only reason the thief comes is this, to steal and to kill and to destroy. Did you catch that? What does the thief come to do? To steal, say it with me, kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, I, say I, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Live life to the full till it overflows, the Amplified says. Jesus said I. Jesus was God. Jesus came to display the works of the Father and show who he really was. Do you see the difference? We shouldn't be confused about the two roles. There's two different roles. We have a giver and we have a taker. You picking this up? We have a giver and we have a taker. If you've been given something good, then by all means, give thanks to God. But let me say this. If you've been robbed, don't blame God. If you've been robbed, don't blame God. He's not behind your loss. In fact, the Apostle James says this in James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift. Now, did you hear the word every? Every good and perfect gift is from where? Above Coming down from who? The Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I love this line. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. See, God is a giver, and he's a giver of good and perfect gifts. Are you seeing this? Are we reading the Bible today? This should be like, wow, God is amazing. He's not the author of my destruction and demise. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Big difference. He's not far off in heaven just hurling down bad circumstances so he can teach you a lesson because by gosh or by me, they're going to learn something here. Some could say, well, as soon as you say father, you don't even know the kind of father I had. I'm trying to introduce you to a good, good father. Big difference. And you know what? Natural fathers, we mess up. I mess up. I'm, I'm not father of the year. But even in my falling short of being the perfect father, I always love my kids. I'll never disown them. I don't care what they do. Well, don't say that. Maybe they'll do something bad. But it's the truth. Maybe they'll do something good if they know their daddy loves them and encourages them and cares about them. And he's not going anywhere. Think about that. There's security. Kids who are secure don't go do stupid things most of the time. (laughs) And we get so hung up on, be careful, don't give too much grace or too much forgiveness, man. You you never know. Yeah, I do know. Because I've experienced it in my life. When the veil was pulled away, when I realized that forgiveness and grace isn't limited, that his love is not conditional, it didn't make me run off and sin harder. It made me fall more in love with God. It made me realize how good he is. And then when he says, hey, I see this in your life. It's hurting you. It's destroying this area. What do you think we work on that? Yes, God, I want to anyway, because you gave me the desire to be different than that. Thanks for caring. Thanks for not leaving when I need you. Thanks for not leaving me to fend for myself and do it on my own. Thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the love. Thank you for the grace. From this pulpit, 
I won't, and I won't allow anyone to ever hold back the forgiveness of God from you to try to control you into living better. It does not work. Here's what happens. We end up hiding our stuff and pretending. But God knows. He doesn't want us to hide our stuff. He wants us to be transparent. He wants us to be open with him. See, when we're open with our faults and our issues and realize that we haven't arrived, there's a place for healing. There's a place for growth. We don't have to pretend with God. Amen? So God is a giver, and he's a giver of good and perfect gifts. You know, we have an enemy. His name's Satan. We just saw here the thief. We also have the power of sin that came into the world at the fall of man. Uh, we, we have sometimes us and our dumb decisions. How many made a dumb decision and you got bad consequences for you? Like, oh my gosh, I wish I could blame God right now, but I did that. <laughs> and sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. But we shouldn't blame God. He's a giver of good gifts. Are we seeing this? The Apostle Paul says this in Romans eleven twenty nine. He says, God's gifts and God's call. Now this is huge. Because it's not just the gifts that he gives, but a lot of you here say you've had a calling on your life and you feel like I've ran for so long from this. I did this. I had a calling in my life. I knew I was called the pastor. I wanted nothing to do with it because my parents were pastors and I saw what they went through. I'm like, no way in hell I'm doing that. I'm going the other way. I'm going to be a rock star, man. I'll preach Jesus through rock and roll. Nothing wrong with that. Preach Jesus wherever you go. But I wanted nothing to do with it until God changed my heart. And I realized that I hadn't gone so far away that he revoked the call on my life. I thank God that I saw that correctly. But the Apostle Paul says, God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Listen to this. Never canceled. Never rescinded. Say never. Never canceled, never rescinded. But what if you have suffered loss like Job? What if you're someone who says, I've suffered loss? I mean, he lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. His kids died. The temptation may be to blame God for your loss, as if God has a change of heart. But let me say something. God is not fickle. James tells us he does not change like shifting shadows. What does that mean? You ever notice that depending on where light is, let's just say outside, for instance, do you know that as the sun moves, a shadow shifts and it turns and it shifts and it moves and it turns? What it's saying is God never shifts. He never turns. What he says is true. And he's not like a shadow that shifts around. He's an extraordinary giver who never, did you hear that? Never takes back his gifts. So here's the thing. If God is doing the giving, who's doing the taking? Jesus made it abundantly clear in John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he goes on for clarification to say, I, my Father and I are one. I come to give you life and life more abundantly. That's what God is. He's a giver of good gifts. Dr. Paul Ellis, I love this quote. 
Uh, he was a pastor for about 10 years, and, and he talks about his journey of faith and, and learning the gospel that's clean and clear, where we're close to God and not distant. Uh, he's a blogger now, and he even wrote a book called Stuff Jesus Never Says, and it's kind of where we got this idea. But he says this. He says, humans are extremely slow learners. From the beginning of human history, the devil has been trying to steal or ruin everything God gave us, and yet there are still some who think that God is the thief. God gave us authority over a planet, and the devil took it. God gave us freedom, and the devil somehow got us to choose the way of slavery. God gave us eternal life, health, and glory, and we lost it all. But, say but, thank God for Jesus who took back what the devil stole. Do you believe that? Why would Jesus take back what the devil stole? Because he's a giver. And he created us as his children to love us and have relationship with us. He cares about us. Now, as we draw to a close, I just want to compare two things real quick. And it might sound kind of weird, like what? But karma versus grace. Sometimes as Christians, we get mixed up in this thinking, this idea of karma, and don't even realize it. Karma versus grace. If you think that God gives and takes away, then you've missed the point of Jesus. That's the truth. Jesus came to reveal a generous father and to destroy the work of the enemy or the thief. 1 John 3, 8. Jesus came that we might have life to the full, not half-life. Say, praise God for that. Here's the thing. If you think that God gives and takes away, you have more faith in karma than you do his grace. I mean, karma's all about, you know, uh, what goes around comes around. Depending on what you do, that's what you're going to get. We think, well, if you're healthy now, well, there's a good chance you might be sick tomorrow. If you're doing well now, well, bad is surely waiting around the corner. And here's the thing. When hardships come, here's what happens. You won't be surprised. You just kind of throw in the towel and say, well, you know, God's in control. And uh, so what happens, happens. Que sera, sera. I'm not trying to make light of this, but I'm trying to get us to have faith and trust in God versus morality and what goes around comes around. Do you follow me here? See, the world works according to the principle of give and take, but God doesn't. God just gives. Did you catch that? God just gives, and he's a giver of good gifts. Now you say, come on, pastor. I mean, God doesn't take anything? Okay, you caught me on that. If there's anything that God takes and you're willing to let him take it, he'll take your sin, he'll take your shame, he'll take your sickness, he'll take your worries, he'll take your fear. So if you want God to take something, those are good things to take. Take my worry, take my fear, take my sickness, take my sin, take my shame, because shame is a killer, folks. Will you let him take those things? But let's not mix it up with he's a giver of bad things. He's a giver of good gifts. God takes away those things that harm us and gives us good things that bless us. That's his heart. That's the heart of the Father. I wish I could go back to Job before some of his friends got a hold of him. Right? If you read the story, his friends got involved. And I'd say things like this. God didn't kill your kids. He didn't steal your livestock. He didn't make you sick. You've been robbed. The devil is having a go at you, man. So what are you going to do? Are you going to just sit there and cry? Or are you going to rise up with faith in God and say, I'm not taking this. Will you be a victim or a victor? 
Do you follow me? This is when things come in our life, are we doing the same thing? Are we just rolling over? Because, well, you know, things go around, things happen. I guess it's my time. And then we blame God because maybe somehow he's trying to teach us a lesson. I praise God for his friend, Elihu. Now, Elihu was a younger friend. In fact, when you read the story of Job, you see Elihu, he's younger. And he's sitting there waiting for some, some sage counsel and advice from these older friends and from Job. And all he's hearing is a bunch of garbage about how God's doing this. And, and, and at one point, someone says, just curse God and die. I mean, really, really good, good godly counsel, right? Curse God and die. But Elihu says this. He says, Job speaks without knowledge, and his words are without wisdom. Whoa. Do you imagine being Job going, who do you think you are, young punk? What are you trying to say? But see, something rose up in Elihu. And, and for several verses, it's like God himself was speaking through him, and he was speaking of all God's goodness, and basically saying, Job, you are wrong. You speak out of lack of wisdom. This is not God. Here's the thing. We do this in our own lives. And I believe that we'll never see victory if we think God is behind our suffering. If we think God is robbing us, we won't even resist. Why would you resist? You know, the funniest thing I would see is when people say, oh man, yeah, the doctor just told me I got cancer. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. He goes, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out why God put it on me, you know, so, so I can get a lesson, you know, I can learn a lesson. Hey, will you pray for me though that the cancer would go away? What? But God put it on you. Why would I pray for it to go away? Hey, God, the stuff you put on him, would you take it away, please? Does that even make sense? Is God schizo? I mean, sometimes, listen, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to use, use some logic here and look at the scriptures and say, why would God put something on you? And then you go, will you take it away? He's like, no, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. Why aren't you learning? Oh, you died. You didn't learn it. Come on. I got a bunch of people going to be mad today at me. Here's the thing, we, we let the devil walk right in, ravage our families, tear them apart, and go, he gives and takes away, oh, praise the Lord. What? You like that? He gives and, okay, I'm not going to do it again. He's ravaging our families, he's tearing our families apart, and we say, oh, he gives and takes away. Thank you, Lord, we'll learn something from this. Come on, come on. You guys, he's, good job. I'm trying to make light because I know some people are offended right now. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to get our doctrine right. I'm trying to paint a proper picture. The, the real Andrew Bransick will be here next week and be loving and gracious. And I'm trying to speak the truth in love. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm mad at the thief. I'm mad at the enemy who has convinced us that God does these things to us and sits back and goes, so you might as well not pray for it or expect anything different because... There's a lesson here to learn. You know, what Jesus did could fill a library of books, but what Jesus didn't do may be just as important. One thing Jesus didn't do is he never complained. I've never seen through all of Scripture Jesus complain about anything. It could be the longest day. He could be tired. He could be hungry, but he was always ready to minister to somebody. His love was always abundant. Let the kids come on to me. Let the children be. Let them sit in my lap. Let me bless them. Oh, you need healing? I'm healing you. 
If Jesus came to display who the Father was, why was he healing people? Why wasn't he every so often going, zap, there's some leprosy. Now, I'll be back to see if you learned your lesson. The other thing Jesus didn't do is Jesus didn't blame God for bad things. When his best friend, Lazarus, he loved his family, the brothers and sisters, Lazarus and Martha and Mary. He hung out with them and, and, and just they had this great relationship. But when Lazarus died, he didn't say, God took him. Thank you, Father, for taking Lazarus. I know we hear things like this. God needed another angel in heaven. No, I think he made enough the first time. God needed another flower in his garden. What does that mean? Listen, I know it's a cute poem, and I know for people, somehow it brings them relief, but we're blaming God for these things. Do you know why we die? Do you know that why we pass away? Because we made a decision in the garden. You're like, I didn't, Adam did. Okay, well, whatever, dude, guess what? You're, you're part of Adam now, unless you're in Christ. But Adam made a decision. Mankind, human beings made a decision, and now we get to face death. But God, in his mercy and grace, sent his son, so we never have to die. The Bible says as believers, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We live eternally, so God even fixed that for us. This is just a dirt, dust body, as Dr. Carl says. But we will live forever with him. He fixed it for us. But sometimes we find closure and comfort in blaming God. There was a man in the Bible who suffered great loss named Job. And he said, God gives and takes away. But let me say this, it wasn't Jesus. When he met people who had lost things, Jesus never said, God took your child. God took your health. God took your home. Instead, he said, I have come that you might have life to the full in abundance. I came so you can have brand new life in me and live eternally. I came so you once again could have this open freedom to the throne room of God and his grace and have relationship with your heavenly father. That's what Jesus came to give us. Jesus didn't take, but he gave. And he gave us a picture of a God who so loved the world that he gave. Did you catch that? Jesus gave a picture of a God who so loved the world that he gave. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for clarity today. First of all, Lord, I just pray that, that nobody here was offended by maybe the way I came across, but my heart is for people to see your heart, God. My heart is for people to see you as a good father, a giver of good gifts. It's all through the New Testament. The apostles proclaimed it. They wrote it. They sent it out. They wanted people to see. Jesus himself, the exact representation of you, healed the sick, healed the brokenhearted, spent time with the down and outers, loved people where they were, wanted the best for them, prayed for them, spent time with them, blessed them. I thank you for clarity. I thank you for proper perspective of who you really are. With your head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to say this. God is not a thief, but a giver who gives and gives. And just when you think he's all done giving, he backs up the dump truck of his grace and he gives you more. For more information about Faith City Church, 
please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.